Well, Merry Christmas. I love hearing the Christmas story. Uh, for those of you that are just joining in or just tuning in with us here at Faith Church, I just want to say Merry Christmas. My name is Matthew. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, get to serve as past, one of the pastors here. And it's a joy to celebrate Christmas with your family. That Christmas story was told um, by the Bible app for kids. It's one of the resources that we use here uh, to help put Jesus on every level and every stage of life. We want to present Jesus in a way that it communicates it on that level. And so I, I hope you got to enjoy that. I know many of the kids recognize some of those characters, Star, the wonderful uh, Star there, and some of our other wonderful storytellers in that video. Well, today we thought, since we're all here together as a family, why not go ahead and play a little bit of a family game? And those of you watching at home, you can play right along with us. It's real simple. And uh, we want to settle once and for all who in your family is naughty and who in your family is nice. Who's getting some coal and who can expect some prison? So here's how this game is played. I need everybody to put your hands up like this, 10 fingers in the air. You're competing with your family. As I read off this list, if you can relate to what I'm saying, you put a finger down. Whoever has the most fingers up is definitely nice, and those with the fewest fingers remaining are definitely on the naughty list. Are we ready? Fingers up. Listen to this. Now, here's what I need. Put a finger down if you don't like eggnog. Put a finger down if you're not wearing red or green right now. Put a finger down if you've ever peeked at presents under the tree. Go ahead, look. If somebody is lying in your family, they need to put some more fingers down. Here we go. Put a finger down if you've ever forgotten to buy a present for someone. All right. Put a finger down if you ever re-gift presents you don't like. Let me see. Go ahead. Honesty. Put a finger down if you've never worn an ugly sweater. Put a finger down if you've never worn an ugly sweater. Here we go. A few more. Put a finger down if you've never built a snowman. Okay, all right, here we go. Put a finger down if you've never built a gingerbread house. Here we go. Put a finger down if you have never watched the movie Elf. Cole for all of you for sure. Here we go. Put a finger down if you've never worn matching pajamas on Christmas. Go ahead, let me see your scores. Look up and down the aisle. We're going to figure out who's naughty, who's nice, who's getting cool, and who is getting some presents. So much fun, so much fun. Well, I tell you what, we're going to, here in just a minute, get into a time where we open up Scripture, we share, and we laugh a little bit, and we're going to end our service today singing. We're going to end our service today a little different than we would normally maybe end our typical Christmas service. Typically, at the end of our Christmas services, we're doing a candle lighting. And uh, this year, because of some of the realities of 2020, we felt it best instead to end our service in communion together. And so if you have not picked up communion elements for your family, uh, there are some more out in the lobby. I want to encourage you to do that. And for those of you at home, make sure you have 
something that can be similar to bread, a cracker, or some juice, and we'll be taking communion all together here in just a minute. But before we open up the Word, why don't you take a look at this one last video. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures, where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day it was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. So this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. 
Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Love, it's a word we use so often. We've been here at Faith Church in a collection of sermons entitled Hope for Your Home. And today I want to talk to you about the X factor of Christmas. The X factor of Christmas. I believe that hope for your home is possible when God's generous love is found in your home. This word love, it it, it may bring up all sorts of things in whatever home looks like for you. Maybe home in this season is you're an empty nester. Maybe home in this season is you're a widower. Maybe home in this season is young kids running around and there is no day when you are not tired and worn out and sleep deprived. Maybe that's what home looks like for you. Maybe home is right in the thick of raising teenagers and young adults and it's really expensive, and that's what home looks like for you. Whatever home looks like for you, I believe hope is available when God's generous love is found in that home, is found in the people in that home. Galatians chapter 5 in the Bible says this, starting in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Somebody say love. And it's that word agape that we just looked at. It's this God version, whole, perfect, complete, self-sacrificing, always giving, always patient and kind kind of a love. The fruit and the evidence of God living among you and in you is that you would experience and demonstrate his kind of love. I believe love is really the X factor this Christmas. I think it's the X factor in every Christmas. I wonder, though, how is it you measure love in your family? I want you to think about it. Boys and girls, I want you to think for just a minute. If your mom, your dad tells you they love you, what does that mean to you? I want you to think about it. What does it look like if somebody is showing you love? What does love look like in your family? Because in your family, whether you realize it or not, you are measuring love. Everyone is trying to find the markers and the indicator of what love looks like. There, there's been uh, much study done that they say that there are five love languages. Five love languages, and you have one of these love languages. It could be gift giving. It could be words of encouragement and affirmation, acts of service, quality time that you spend with somebody, right? Like, like there are all of these, these different ways we express love, even physical touch, something as simple as a handshake, something as simple as a hug, something as simple as just being close to somebody that you admire and love. That is a way you express love. Here's the, here's the interesting thing about a, a love language, though. As with every language in the known world, 
if it doesn't communicate, it's not really a good language. Right? Like, like if you can speak English, but you're not actually using words that people understand, your language is kind of pointless at this point in time. But your love, even though it is a language, if it is not expressed and communicated, your love is not being made known to anyone around you. This is the power of love at Christmas time, I believe. This is why love is the X factor. Because love must be demonstrated and shown in some way. This, friends, is why we give gifts at Christmas time. Because giving, being a generous person, is an expression of love. And I would perhaps propose today to you that generous love is God's version of love. Being a generous person living as a generous soul, whether you're overly kind, whether you are financially generous, whether you are generous with your gifts, generous with your time, generous with your encouragement and compliments, generous with the way that you serve other people. If you are generous in how you express your love, you are edging closer and closer to this agape kind of love. I think generosity is a marker. It's it's the, it's the X factor of what love really looks like. I think about my daughter, Annalise. She's seven currently, and uh, she wrote a letter to Santa this year, writing to Santa, telling her that she wanted a big, fluffy, stuffy unicorn. Emphasis on the word big and fluffy. Uh, but she took it a step further, and she wrote to Santa asking that Santa would also bring her dad a coffee cup. I'm really hoping Santa has a direct line to the folks at Ember Coffee Mugs and get the travel one that plugs in and charges and keeps your coffee at a certain temperature. I'm really hoping that's what's under the Christmas tree for Annalise's father. Really, really hoping that's what Santa knew she meant. The truth of the matter is, it wasn't just about what she wanted. She was being generous in her own way. Why? Because generosity expresses love. One of the things that we do annually here in our Christmas service is we give in a Christmas offering. And we want to invite all of you present today to participate in that offering. And 100% of everything given today in person and online is going to go to Foursquare Disaster Relief to help provide food in other countries where there is a food shortage because of this pandemic. For $50, we can feed a pastor and his family. For $1,000, we can feed an entire church for a month. For $2,500, we can feed an entire community for a month. Our goal as a church is today to give at least $1,000 to be able to give in that, that way. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been here and Man, I want to encourage you to take a step and be generous this Christmas, and let's help provide food and be a Christmas miracle for those who need it the most. Generosity is this marker of love. John 3 verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave us his son, that anyone who would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. God's very demonstration and definition of love is found in being generous, in giving. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, isn't it? 
the love of God that came down to earth, the birth of a son and a savior. John 13 verse 34 says, a new commandment I give you. This is Jesus telling his followers this, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I want you to take a minute and the people down your row, without saying anything, look at them and tell them with your eyes that they are loved. Would you do that? Just, just give them a look real quick. If you're married and you're looking too long, just settle down for a minute. We've got the rest of church to go. Y'all just cool it for a minute. John 14 verse 15 says it like this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I don't believe Jesus was saying, well, if you really love me, you'll do this and this and this. I really think what Jesus was saying is, hey, if you love me, you're not going to have a problem keeping my commandments. Obedience is a natural response to those who know how to express love to someone else. See, obedience to God is really just an expression of our love for God. Not to earn his love because you can't earn a gift. Love is a gift from God. You can't do anything to earn his love. He already gave it. It's not a gift if you have to earn it. And God's love is the greatest gift. And love must be generously expressed for it to really be God's kind of love. My, my family has always been a pretty affectionate family. Growing up, my uncles and aunts and parents and grandparents, it was, we heard the words, I love you a lot. We always were giving hugs and kisses within our family. It was just such a loving and caring. We knew where we stood. In fact, every Christmas card and birthday card that my grandmother would send, now every text message that she gives us, all have, they all end the same way. X-O-X-O. Does anybody know what that stands for? Hugs and kisses, yeah, X is the kiss and O is the hugs. Kisses and hugs, kisses and hugs. And that X factor of love from my grandma was always expressed. I believe that, I'm going to talk for a minute just about this idea of love being found in an X, in the letter X. See, I believe that X marks the spot. I believe X marks the solution, and X marks the Savior. And this is where we find love. X is love. Let, let me walk you through my thought process on this one just real quickly. Um, X marks the spot. Whenever you are looking for treasure and you have a treasure map, what is it that indicates that you are where the treasure is? It's because X marks the Spot. It's the star above the stable that marked the spot of the greatest treasure that ever showed up in the earth. It was the way they navigated to find where Jesus was. It was where they came to bring their own gifts. I believe love is the greatest treasure in our world and in our life. To love and be loved in return is what means the most to every human soul. And when love is withheld, there is something missing in our life. And I believe it is the love of Christ in our life that marks the spot of the greatest gift and the greatest thing that we would ever see. It's, it, marks the, it marks the spot. 
But I think X marks the solution, too. Any, just by a quick raise of hands, any fans of mathematics in the room? Any, any nerds? Yeah, a few of you are like, that's right, I like math. I'm good at math. Think about this. When you're solving an algebraic equation, think about it. You always are solving for X. X is the solution that you're looking for. X is the answer that you need. X is the only right response. Uh, uh, Psalms 86 verse 13 says, For great is your steadfast love toward me, Lord. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Why? It is God's love that is the X factor that brings the solution to the problems that you need, to the problems that you face. X marks the solution. Matthew chapter 1 in the Christmas story. Let me see if you can remember these words from the Christmas story. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he, he had in mind just, just to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her, it's from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Here's the most important phrase. Because he will save his people from their sins. The solution to the problem of sin is found in Christ's love that he came. It's because he is the one who came to solve the problem. See, the problem, the answer to the problems that you face in this world is not more money. The problems to, to the problems that you, the answer to the problems that you're facing is not a, a new relationship. The, 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 the answer to your life's greatest questions isn't found in atheism, it's found in Jesus as Savior. X marks the solution. It's Jesus' love. The X factor of Christmas is God's love. What you need, sir, what you need, ma'am, is to experience the unending, always faithful, steadfast love of God. It's not more alcohol. It's not more pill subscriptions. It, it is the love of God that will fill the longing and the missing piece in your life. Why? Because X, it, it marks the spot of the greatest gift. It, it marks the solution to the greatest problems that you're facing. X also marks the Savior. X marks the Savior. You think about the letter X for just a minute. It is two lines that intersect, that they, they, they form a cross. The X creates a crisscross. It'll make you want to jump, jump. Oh, sorry. Wrong. Not a Christmas song. X marks the Savior. It's a cross. Jesus died on a cross. It's the the X that marks the Savior. It was the stripes on his back, the nails in his hands. It was the, the, the two lines that crossed. 
X marks the Savior. X represents the Savior. It was the cross of Jesus. One of the things that kind of befuddles me, makes me kind of scratch my head and go, huh? Is when people who I believe probably are well-meaning decide to get upset when people say, Mary, Xmas. Maybe this has bothered you in the past. I don't know. But it kind of makes me scratch my head just, just a little bit. And I think we're well-meaning because we think they are taking Christ out of Christmas. I happen to think a little different. I actually think that X represents the Savior. X is the cross that he died on. X marks the spot. X marks the solution. X marks the Savior. It's, it represents Christ. Let me give it to you historically. Jesus was known as the Christ. We read it here just a minute ago. You will name him Jesus the Christ. Christ means anointed one. Christ the Messiah. Christos. And in the original language of Greek, let me show you what it looks like. The very first letter in Christ's name comes from the Greek alphabet chi, which when written looks like an X. X marks the Savior. The Savior of your soul, the Savior of your life, the one who died on a Christ. It represents Christ, the anointed one. In fact, in, in the first century, in the early Jews, there was a certain symbol that they would use. And right in the middle of the symbol was a strong, visible X. It became a decoding, encrypted message that the early Christians would draw to symbolize Christ the Messiah. And so you would see X's all over the place with, with an X and a Y and an I and a circle and all of these different symbols all shaped into one. It became like this secret decode message that the early Christians who were fleeing for their lives, who, who needed to make a stand for Christ and make it known, I'm a follower of Jesus, they would use an X. I would propose to you today that even though some might intentionally try to, I'm going to remove Christmas and I'm going to put an X. It doesn't matter what you try, friends. You can't change the truth of what Christmas is all about. You can't change what it's really all about. X marks the spot. X is the solution. And X is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Christ demonstrates his own agape, his own love, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the first century, it wasn't a plus sign that represented love. Like for many of us, we would create jewelry and in many churches today, it's a cross. No, see, the cross wasn't anything beautiful. See, for the early Christians, Christ, the cross was barbaric. It was a torture device. They needed a symbol to represent Jesus, the Messiah. So they would use an X. They would hide almost in plain sight. For them... X meant the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ. And while you and I were still sinners, Christ came to die for us. 
I believe that we need to make sure that Christ stays central to our Christmas 100%. Without a doubt, he needs to be there. In fact, I want to challenge all of you to take a, a step of commitment today. And that's simply to read the Christmas story this week before you open gifts at all of the different gatherings that you would attend, before you give a demonstration of your love for your loved ones, let's read the greatest love story and the beginning of this love story, the birth of our Savior. We've put together a curated, in-sequence story that you can read, reading all of the events of Christmas, and you can do it together with your family. It'll take maybe 10 minutes to read all together. Maybe let some of your kids who know how to read, read parts of it. We've, we've made this available for you, and if you would like access to this Christmas story, just the layout, excerpts from Scripture that we've put together in sequence and in order, you just simply pull out your phone and text the keyword Xmas, X-M-A-S, to our text line 620-604-9280. You'll get a text right back asking you to let us know what your email address is. And we will email you right away uh, a link where you can download the Christmas story. And instead of getting upset that people put an X instead of the word Christ, this year we can realize that the X actually means the Savior. And the cross is love. And we can celebrate, regardless of how it's written, what the real meaning of Christ is all about. We can celebrate Christ and keep him center in our celebrations. Why? Because the X factor of Christmas is God's love. And God's love story for your life began the day Jesus was born. That was really when it began to accelerate. You could say it really began all the way back in the garden, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But at Christmas time, we celebrate the coming of Jesus, the beginning point of when the Savior showed up on, on the scene. While you and I were still sinners, the X Factor came to the world. The X Factor came to rescue you and to rescue me. And today you can put your faith in this Jesus. You can accept his love in your life you can allow yourself to be marked by the salvation and the love of God when you and I make a decision to accept what Christ has done for us. I have in my hand a candy cane. Oh, yummy indeed. Now, we have some really large candy canes made of balloons. I don't suggest licking those in the lobby as you go. Those don't taste near as well. But you can take your picture and be there. In fact, on your way out today, we want to give you a candy cane. See, in the 1900s, a candy maker took a sugary candy stick and he decided to add some color and flavor to it, which can be used to illustrate the meaning of Christmas. The hook was added to the straight stick so that you could see it as a shepherd's hook or you could flip it and it looks like a J for Jesus. 
this stick not only represented those things, but he added this large red stripe, which would then begin to represent the blood of Jesus. The white would represent the purity that he brings to us when we receive his forgiveness. The candy is hard, which reminds us that Jesus is the rock of our salvation, the solid foundation that is the only right foundation to build a life that's going to last. And this candy is a little sweet, which reminds us of God's word in Psalms 34, verse 8, to taste and see that God is good, that he's good. God is good. How do I know that he's good? Because before you ever believed in him, before you'd ever heard the name, before you ever arrived here today, you have a way to experience eternity in heaven. It's Jesus. While you were still a sinner, while you didn't really care about anything, while you were living your own life, your own way, while you were making your own choices, trying to solve all the problems on your own while you were living in your own way, unaware. It was Jesus who came for you and for me to bring forgiveness and healing and hope and to give you his righteousness. The candy cane, it represents the X. The X factor of Christmas. Jesus, the Messiah the one we sing about, the one we've come to adore, the one that we came to celebrate, the one who showed us what generosity really looks like. It's Jesus. He's the X factor this Christmas. And today, you can take a step towards him. You can take a step and begin to receive his love. You can take a first step towards finding forgiveness and hope and experiencing a love unlike any other starts by simply acknowledging that you need Jesus, that you need a Savior, you need the love of God in your life. And here in this moment, watching at home and in the room, you can pause and just say, Jesus, would you come in? I repent and I need you to be my Savior. You can take that first step today and experience the love of God, the X factor, the, the one that marks the spot of the greatest treasure, the one whose life came to solve the world's greatest problems, the one who showed up to stretch out on a cross to become the savior of the world. I'm going to invite you in this moment. Would you stand quietly to your feet? And here in a minute, we're going to sing some more songs. We're going to sing of our love for a God who showed us his love in the greatest act in generosity. We're, we're going to sing about a Savior who is worthy of our whole lives in surrender. And as we sing, we want to invite you to take communion there 
where you're seated with your family. Remembering that the bread represents the body of Jesus and the juice represents his blood that was poured out. It was his body and what he did at the cross that provides the answer to the solution. This is why we sing. This is what causes us to sing. It's what he has done for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, whether this is your first time here or maybe you just made a commitment to follow Jesus, or we invite you to take communion. You don't have to be an official member of our church to take communion. You just need to be a member of the family of God to celebrate what God has done for you. To remember that the bread and the juice marks the spot of his salvation in your life. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to read a scripture before we begin to sing. 1 John 4, 9 through 11 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God. No, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also can love one another. As we worship, as we sing, take communion with your family at any moment that you're ready. Let's worship the Lord a little bit. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.